0: Hey, this is Rainier. This is Eric, Rainier's dad. Welcome to Father and Son On Purpose, where we talk about business, business education, and the desire to do good. Right.
1: How's it going, big guy? It's going good, man. In a couple weeks, you will be graduating. It's a big oh, big time. I'm so excited, man. Very exciting time. Very my, exciting time. My, my 16 years straight
0: of being in the education system is about to come to a close. It's, Whoa. it's a big one. About to hit the big trampoline to the next level. I know, and, and who thought that? Who thought that getting accommodations for a graduation weekend would be so hard? You know, I know. I never realized that so many people would want to get a would want to get a an Airbnb or a hotel room on the exact same weekend. You Tough know? to find space in State College right now. Listeners, for context, we're trying to bring some extended family members uh, into town for graduation, and just about every hotel and Airbnb is either incredibly expensive or downright impossible to find a a room in. Yes, powerful lessons about supply and demand. Powerful lessons about supply and demand. Basic, basic economics. We, we, will be looking for a, we will be looking for a nice stable, maybe, if, if we can't find anywhere else. That's some, true. Some place to they shack. Blow shack a mattress
1: on a floor. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll really take like us some life to get them in town. I suspect I might be sleeping on the couch <laughs> and other family members sleeping in my bed, but do whatever it takes. Yeah, nightmare that, huh? All right, we'll be here to celebrate you and then... Uh, your sister graduating as well in about a month, so big time for the Foley Ds this, High this year. All right, well, let's get to it. What's the topic of the day? We are moving on from the Impact Journal. Yeah,
0: moving on from moving on from the unconventional business students and a time in business education. We have a great we have a great question on the docket for mm, today. Excited for this one. Um, a great topic, I think, that'll launch us into some 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 real. You know, r- real analytical business talk, mm-hmm. kind of about sustainability companies here. Um, so our question for the day is: Does the green consumer exist? Mm-hmm. Does the green consumer exist? Mm-hmm. And I think to to qualify that a little bit, to me, the green consumer is is the 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 person that when you put two products in front of them and you say one is green, one is just standard, one's a product. They choose the green product. That's what I'm thinking of whenever I think green consumer. I think yeah. somebody that yeah. that chooses green options, they look for green labels, really to me like a marketing, a, a real marketing focused person. Someone that focuses their consumption on the businesses that are marketed to them as being sustainable, as being green. Absolutely. And they choose
1: those companies. That's, that's yep. where they put their money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have anything to add to that in terms of... Who- I
1: would just say recently is a fun way to kind of get this started to make it really real is uh, I happen to be reading a book right now about Dr. Bronner's. And so some of the listeners might be familiar with Dr. Bronner's. Dr. Bronner's was right up there with, uh, gosh, I don't know, like Seventh Generation, uh, Patagonia. I mean, some of these companies that have you know, been and Jerry's, companies that have been thinking about social and environmental impact for years. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about, man, the next time I buy soap, I am buying Dr. Bronner's. I- and my wife goes and she buys soap. she comes back with ivory dove, and I'm like, "What so I guess in our relationship right now i I tend to maybe be more of the conscious consumer, mm. or do I listeners, not the products we're looking for, but yeah, always the good ones
0: and so why and so why are we asking yeah. so
1: so does that even matter right do do our buying decisions matter and 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 um mm. what's the impact of all this actually on business whose responsibility is it, yeah, right?"
0: The, the the questions that we'll be asking as a as sort of a to, to qualify this discussion will be, you know, what what place does sustainability have in the marketplace? How should businesses be marketing sustainability? Mm. Um, is it a, is it like a primary is it primary messaging? Do you want to talk about it right up front? Do you have it as a footnote? Is it like the second thing you mention when you're talking to a yeah. consumer? Because it could turn me off. Yeah, it could turn the consumer off. Yeah, right? if I'm I see sustainability,
1: what do you mean it's sustainable? It must not look as good, taste as good. Actually, not going to clean my dishes, right? Yeah, it might be crap. Yeah, it might I be never crap. Know. And then we'll probably segue a little bit into whose responsibility is it mm-hmm. to ensure sustainable consumption? Businesses say, well, if consumers aren't going to demand it, I'm not going to do that kind of thing, mm. right? The rabbit and the hare. Yeah. So whose job... Not is the it rabbit and the hare.
0: It's a paradox of some kind. I'm not thinking of the right one, but <laughs> but the, the, the chicken and the egg, that's what it is. The, that's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which chicken. one comes first, you know? Yeah. Do consumers demand it? Do businesses supply it? Because yeah. businesses can't supply if there's no demand, and consumers can't demand if there's no
1: decent supply and no quality supply. Yeah, exactly. So we'll look into, we'll look into that and uh, got some good thoughts on that. And then the last thing is? You know, we'll, we'll talk about whether
0: or not we can truly shop our way to sustainability. Mm. Does the act of mm-hmm. consumption in any way really enable sustainability mm-hmm. or will we inherently be stuck in unsustainable system of capitalism and, and sort of traditional consumption even when we try to buy products that are – you know, could be considered sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. When I buy you a new Patagonia
1: sweatshirt, a new Patagonia fleece. Yeah. Is that sustainable? We'll find out. Well, and also, you know, I, I, uh, you know, starting last year, I started to follow on Instagram, uh, a platform called we buy black. And uh, Mm, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think about half, I think of black owned businesses compared to 20% of white owned businesses went under during the pandemic. So, you could certainly say that that's part of conscious uh consumerism is you're more conscious about where do I put my dollars mm. uh, and if i if I buy from black owned businesses, does that help so does that matter? Does that matter? Does that matter right or how much might that matter as opposed to other things that also help you know sort of underserved and historically discriminated against communities. We will get into all that to the best of our ability. Great content for today, but let's. Yeah. But for now, let's jump back to the to the beginning of this question. Mm-hmm. So,
0: why are we talking about? I think this would be good to start with. Why are we talking about green consumers in the first place? Why does Why does getting to understand the the quote unquote green consumer mm. or asking ourselves whether or
1: not there is a green consumer? Why does that even matter in the first place? Well, maybe I'll share. Can I share some data real quickly? Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> all right so we got so we got some data uh so one, one piece is from nielsen this is a little bit just about uh the growth of what has been called sort of sustainable products right so environmentally socially preferred we might say so according to nielsen sustainable product sales have increased 20 percent since 2014. okay right? so that's not insignificant um and then there was some re- research done by uh some colleagues of uh, of mine at the nyu stern so uh, they have a Center for sustainable business there um, and they looked in ex- extensive research into US consumers so reading the press release here of uh, actual purchasing of not so not these are not because we're going to talk about this later, right These're not asking people like if you were to purchase make a purchasing decision you know um, hypothetically like what would you these are actually uh, looking at actual consumer behavior and purchases And they found um, from 2013 to 2018 they found, 50% of the growth uh, between 2013 and 2018 came from sustainability marketed products. Mm. So products that had a sustainability claim on the packaging, so that's important. So we'll certainly get into whether they actually are more responsible uh, net or not is, is a different conversation. So this is they were what the researchers were looking for, but just sustainability claims on the packaging, delivered nearly $114 billion in sales, up 29% from 2013. Additionally, these products grew 5.6 times faster. Hmm. So sustainability-labeled uh, uh, products, right? So an important distinction there, um, were, grew 5.6 times faster than those that were not marked as sustainable. Uh, and in more than 90% of the 36 categories of goods researched. And they found that 63% of people would pay up to a third more for a product that they believe has greater social or environmental positive impact. So I guess the belief here is that very simply that all of our purchasing decisions, everything that we buy, uh, comes from somewhere and is made by someone. That's true. Right? And that somewhere has limited resources, and those people that are making that product are going to be treated in a certain way as signaled by what we are purchasing. So there's a sense that if we've got some environmental problems and some social injustices, um, then if we change our purchasing decisions, we can make an impact on those people's lives and on those places. Mm. That is sort of at the heart of sort of sustainable consumption, but we are still, uh, we're still consuming. So that's, that's I think, that my answer to the question of what's at the heart of this? Why are we even talking about uh, sustainable consumption? And when we create new products, in a business environment, and what when we teach in the business school is we've got to create new kinds of businesses and new kinds of products. Who do you market these products to, mm. right? Yeah. Are these products being marketed to the conscious consumer, the green consumer, which is based on the studies that I have seen is 10 to 15% maybe the population, or is sustainability a secondary product attribute? You don't really talk so much about it, but you are selling a particular product to the mainstream consumer, so is sustainability the lead, or is it secondary? A Mm. footnote, you might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's an important question is,
0: I think the primary reason that we're asking this question is with new innovative businesses, with new products, and as existing businesses are thinking about sort of redeveloping their business model to be more sustainable, do they change their marketing messaging? And what do they do with new products, with new services, do they need to find a new green consumer to target or does sustainability become something that is talked about but like we said kind of becomes the footnote Mm -hmm. of the primary message which is more about you know the the product itself, and about its quality, about its durability, about its effectiveness, mm. and uh, the, the
1: quantifiable value mm-hmm. that you can drive through a product. So make this yeah. Where, where did this come up for you recently? So this uh, yeah. What what was this came up for you recently? Uh, this whole sustainability as a footnote concept. Which yeah. So
0: so I've been getting into why un- we
1: chose it. Yeah.
0: I've been getting into entrepreneurship more and more, and in one of my classes where we're talking about creating new ventures, creating new businesses. Yeah. Uh, there's, a challenge, there's a challenging phase that every business needs to go through where they have to work on what's called a quantifiable or a quantified value proposition, a QVP. And businesses have to define this because the QVP is essentially a, a number, some kind of quantifiable value that a consumer is getting from buying your product. From engaging in your service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so essentially it's, you know, if I do business with this company, if I buy something from them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally, and this is very important because consumers latch onto this. They need to be able to understand. It can't be, it can't be fiscal or confusing. They have to be able to grasp very firmly onto what exactly is a company giving me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Traditionally, I think companies have done a great job at this. You know they've been very good at marketing. You know athletic. You know athletic ability, improving runners' times. If you're a company like Nike, or you improving know, your smell, improving your smell. If you're a deodorant company, improving the um, taste of things, right? The taste of things. Yeah. yeah if you're an insurance company, saving people time.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: fifteen minutes could save you fifty percent. I've sure. heard that that's, before. That's what comes to mind. I yeah. hear that all the time. But the mm-hmm. challenge, I think, when you're talking about sustainable businesses, is how do you quantify? a moral or, or an ethical decision i think mm-hmm. that's the crux of this is it always
1: quantified though because when you when you mention sort of athletic apparel for example yeah. there's certainly a lot of companies that market uh, athletic apparel in ways that they don't quantify it so much as they make you feel right that it is going to raise your performance raise your profile or at least increase your Feeling about yourself, right? Your personal health and well-being. Yeah. So it's not always a number in terms of this thing is going to save me X number of dollars. That's not necessarily what you're saying, right?
0: No, not necessarily.
1: But I think, but it's it's
0: grounded in some kind of firmly quantifiable attribute, like a like a firm adjective.
1: You know. Mm. When you say quantifiable, that means some. That's what's throwing me off. But it's something you can concretely define, I guess. Yeah. Not necessarily count.
0: Well, maybe not count, but you could you could you could. You could identify it as almost like a substance. Yeah, I want to say yeah, not yeah. a literal no, substance, no, but like well, like the product itself has yeah. substance in the improvement yep. or the value that it provides. Whether yeah. that value is strictly numeric or if it is some inherent like qual like quality esque value. There there is a there is a phys- there is a physical value that you yeah, can yeah, sort yeah, of sell yeah. to people. Yeah. I think the challenge with sustainability is Mm -hmm. how in the world Mm -hmm. do you get some kind of substance in a sustainable product Mm -hmm. and how do you market that to people? Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of businesses have trouble with greenwashing Mm -hmm. is that in the urge to appeal to a green consumer or to have sustainability messaging in their products, we have businesses that are over-promising mm, yeah, on value yeah, that yeah, yeah. they're not really delivering.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's the danger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you're telling people they need to deliver on sustainability and environmental responsibility. And, and they're like, well, uh, like we're doing some good things here and doing good things there. Like Maybe we can wrap up that value
1: mm-hmm.
0: in our product. I think that's the challenge for businesses is... When you're inventing new products, if you're going through this sustainability change in your organization, what do you do? How do you market that to people? Yeah. Is that is that the forefront of what you're doing, or like we said, is sustainability a footnote? Is it something mm-hmm. you tack on at the end, or even maybe you just you kinda keep it to yourself?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean certainly that uh, there there is I mean just from And depending on, you know, where our listeners, the kind of orientation that you have, it might turn your stomach that the way to hear how business people talk about these things in my experience. But, you know, we're we're sort of looking at the, you know, the challenge of of social responsibility and environmental impact, uh, you know, from a strict kind of marketing perspective. So kind of a hard nosed, you know, kind of marketing perspective, because you have to sort of choose, well, who is going, who are we going to focus our marketing messages on? Right. Mm -hmm. What channels are we going to use and what messages are we going to use? Who
0: is who is the green consumer?
1: Yeah, and do we focus on them because sure. because certainly at, at any one time, and I don't imagine this will probably ever change. Who who knows that the majority of consumers, their primary driver is going to be they're going to buy things because of their sort of sort of functional and sort of emotional benefits, right? Does it serve whatever the interest is that I have, whether it's transportation or clothing or you know personal care products, and secondary or third is yeah, and I certainly also would want to do something that is you know, beneficial to the world or sort of to my community. Yeah. So I think one of the phrases that you'll hear a lot in the business in here at at Smeal, but I think a lot of business schools is, um, and I think you've heard this in class too, is don't lead with green. Yeah. Yeah. Or don't lead with sort of social responsibility because, and we were talking about this before we started recording, is that uh, for some reason sort of products that uh, push too hard. They got too many green leaves on them, right? They're they're, they're pushing too hard, um, or maybe not too hard, but they are are choosing to leverage their sustainability messaging. Uh, A lot of consumers can look, you were saying, right? And I think it's true, you can look at those and have a lot of skepticism about, is that thing actually going to either look good on me? Is it gonna fit? Uh, or is again, is it going to taste good? Is it going to actually clean my dishes? Even though uh, it's sort of "quote unquote" more responsible. Yeah. Uh, and in that sense, I think a lot of companies. My sense, honestly, from talking to a lot of companies, I think most companies—it's a footnote. I think most companies don't lead with sustainability. Mm. Uh, they lead with, hey, this this product is an awesome product. So if you compare us with against other products, just based on the the product sort of performance look, feel, and all that stuff, alone, we will be better. Yeah. And oh, by the way, we're also more responsible, ethical. Mm. That's, yeah. my, that's my sense. For most companies, that's the, the approach that they take.
0: And I, I think that's what you have to do. I think it makes can... it
1: hard, though, as a consumer, to find out what the hell's actually going on, right? That's true. So there's, it is a bit of a paradox, because yeah. if you don't lead with it, there's a lot of consumers who will say, well, you're not doing anything. They might not. Know. But if you do lead with it, They'll say, "Well, I'm not going to buy your product. It feels like you're overselling me on the sustainability thing. This thing must be a crappy product." Yeah,
0: that's the challenge. I mean, if you and and as a, as a listener, if you just picture in your mind, think about like two household cleaners. This is this is a classic example. But think about two household multi-surface cleaners that you're looking at in a store side yeah, by side. I don't, I'm not going to pick any brands, but let's say one is like yeah. is like 10 times cleaning power, you know, grease, I'm trying to think about other labels, but like grease removal, like scrubbing power, like hyper clean, antibacterial. And the other one, like the, the words that you pick off the label and like the first five seconds are sustainable, green, responsible, like good for the environment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just, I, and, and I'm, and what we're trying to say is that most, in, in a lot of cases, the gut reaction when you're looking at those two products is doubt starts to creep into the consumer's mind of what is this green you know, product lacking just from the way they're marketing it that the other one suddenly has because like mm. why aren't they talking about cleaning power and why aren't they talking about you know grease removal mm. there's this paradox because sure aspirationally we care about green products we care about buying sustainably and being conscious mm. and of course everyone cares about the mm-hmm. environment about mm-hmm. the planet
1: mm-hmm.
0: aspirationally but when you see people putting their dollars in places when it, when you when you're talking about products and buying products you have to consider functionality quality effectiveness those are always the things that are going to resonate with people you know first yeah when you look at a product yeah. in the first 5 seconds what are you going to see they see the big words like cleaning power yeah like they want to see clean it's like you're looking at a cleaner you want to see cleaning power you don't yeah. really want to see yeah sustainability
1: yeah yeah so, yeah and and even for myself i mean even for, even my, for me
0: for me yeah, 100%. yeah i
1: mean even for me it is not the first thing you know i mean it's it's hard you know for example for me it's hard to buy you know clothes i'm i'm 6 7 tall lanky guy it's it's hard to buy pants it's hard to buy shirts um, the first thing I look for is, is this thing going to fit? Yeah. You know, uh, is it going to fit me? So I look for like slim fit things, right? Yeah. And then the second thing I look for is, is it going to look good? You know, is it, you know, in terms of the color palette, the design and so forth. So that's sort of like the top of the funnel. And then I start to get to, okay, if it's going to fit and then, okay, within that sort of world of products, which, which are the products that are most responsibly made, but I go in that order. Yeah. You know, I do go in that order and, um, you know, and, and so even for me, the sort of the functional comes first. So I think for companies, um, that's, that's, they have to make a decision to, to make sure that they lead with their functional, um, but they're also able to back up any sort of claims of, you know, improved, you know, sort of social or environmental outcomes in ways that show that, and I, I was just on a website actually recently for a flooring company, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what they do. I mean, you know, in fact, it, I found it hard to find the sort of sustainability information because they were pushing so much of their sort of flooring solutions, which were beautiful. But when I did find the sustainability information, it looked really credible. I mean, they had third-party like scientific verification in terms of the health impacts of their, you know, the, the materials and chemicals in their flooring and all this kind of stuff. So to me, that's you know they're they're putting it in the right uh, in the right order. Mm. Um, so let's jump to this next one. Is that, is that all right? Yeah. So so uh, so I think that the, yeah. The, so the first thing we wanted to explore was sort of sustainability. Is is it always going to be a footnote? And uh, I guess kind of what you hear us saying is we think for the most part um, it probably is. Oh, you want to yeah. add to that? Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say as a,
0: as like a key takeaway of that of that kind of conversation, I would say, aspirationally. Green consumers do exist. If you want to talk about consumers' mm. aspirations, the things that they really, really you know care about, they they want to do. They yeah. really want to. Yeah. Do. Whole Foods really exists, right? Whole Foods really exists. Yeah, you there's, know, a <laughs> there absolute, there's a lot of people that want to go there. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that want to go there. There are a lot of people that want to buy yeah. green. Yeah. But then when you when you drill down, you talk about. And, and you really look at you know c- the limitations of consumers in terms of mm-hmm. needing to find fit, needing to mm-hmm. find quality, mm-hmm. and you know oftentimes needing a low-cost option, oftentimes it's that first boundary that the consumer runs into that trips them up from reaching that aspiration. So even though they might want to buy green, they might have to buy this other thing, even if they really, really wanted that green product. Yeah. They either can't afford to spend the money or can't yeah. afford to take the risk on less quality or... Or can't afford to miss on the fit because they know that this brand fits really well, Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. though they don't know its sustainability patterns. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're competing in these markets, you know, thinking about those initial consumer qualities off the bat, you know, that might be the thing that you lead with. And
1: sustainability might have to be a footnote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I would say that footnote's got to be robust, Mm. right? Just because it's a footnote. Credible footnote. Yeah, credible, right? Verified. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's less important. For the company, it means it's less important for the consumer, right? Mm, and that yeah. takes us into our next question very nicely. Yeah, it does. So our ne- our next question was like like whose responsibility in this? And I'd like to get this started. So you know, again, whose responsibility is it to ensure that there are more responsibly made products? That's, that's such a good, that's such a good question. And, and services, it really is it's a timeless question. So so I remember a, a quote from Yvonne Chenard who you know I, he defines himself as kind of the, the reluctant reluctant business leader of Patagonia uh and you know for those that know his background I mean he really didn't want to be a business he just wanted to be a surfer rock climber they didn't really have really good rock climbing equipment and he s- started making rock climbing equipment and which eventually became and, and then clothes which eventually became Patagonia but, um, you know, so they're an impressive company and, you know, their, their products are clearly outprice out a lot of people that can't afford them, but they're certainly doing a lot of things in terms of responsibility. And one of the things that he said uh, when he was asked about this is that he said very strongly, mm. uh, this is not the responsibility of consumers. Yeah. Uh, this is the responsibility of business leaders. And, and I think he went on even further to say he really uh, kind of gets frustrated, upset when he hears business leaders say, well, we're waiting for the consumer to send a stronger signal that they want uh, X, Y, or Z product, right? Um, and his sense is business leaders are the ones that control their supply chain, control their operations, their treatment of their workers, and they've got to do the right thing Uh, whether consumers are ostensibly asking for it or not. Now, I've also seen the other thing, I mean, I've I've been around the table with people from multinational companies who have definitely made the point to me that the the opposite point, right? That it is because of consumer demand that they are now able to offer certain kinds of uh, consulting services around sort of um, energy efficiency or renewable energy. They're able to offer, um, you know, products that are recyclable. You know, uh, they're able to offer investment products that support Black-owned businesses, and it is because of the demand of the investment community, the demand of consumers, that they're able to create that. So, um, so is it the responsibility of consumers? Or the responsibility of businesses. Well, so so what's your view of this? Oh, it's business owners totally. It's got to be business owners. <laughs> I mean, because because yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> consumers is. I mean to me half the time like We're so fickle, right? We're so fickle. Consumers are super, super fickle. I mean, we talk all the time about, about people's buying patterns, you know, not always being one hundred percent rational and, yeah. and not always following the path that you We're think really that they're really gonna go to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't really rely on consumers to to, mm. to do anything because it, it's so hard to predict mm. which way consumers are gonna go and, and how markets are gonna evolve. Um And frankly, it's really frustrating to see big companies Mm. kind of shy away and pretend that they don't have the influence that they do on leading those markets Mm. to, to begin with. Like like if a big company that really controls a certain market, like I don't know, I'm not even sure what to use as a case or if I can even make claims like this. But like let's say let's say Pepsi, for example, like if Pepsi really wants to make a to the soft drink market to start looking at more sustainable options, like, could you really tell me that Pepsi with all of their influence in the soft drink market has to wait for a whole, like a massive group of consumers Mm. to start to, to start to demand sustainability? Like, what does that even mean? How do consumers even demand sustainability? That means that they're switching their buying from, from buying from you to buying to another company. To which my question is, do you want your company to die in the interim <laughs> of somebody just buying from mm. the sustainable brand? Yeah. The way companies talk about sustainability in this in this area is mm. well, if consumers wanted to buy more sustainably, they wouldn't it's almost they're saying they wouldn't buy from us if they wanted to buy more sustainably. Mm-hmm. Which, which is you know, in, in the case of Pepsi- such a strange question. In the
1: case of PepsiCo, I mean you, you can look at their, you know, last, I don't know, I would say ten years or something. They they have actually done exactly what you're saying in a sense that they have seen the growth of sustainable consumption I guess you could say and they've started to acquire other companies so they uh, and and there's a number of them but I can't remember all of them but I think one is like Naked Juices for example right yeah so they they could see that people are I mean there is definably you you can look up there there are, people are purchasing less. Um, Carbonated beverages are less, basically, soda than they than they used to in in the past, yeah. and they have definitely seen that. And you could see the same thing with Coca-Cola. So they're buying like juice companies, you know, different kinds of healthy beverages. I mean, even PepsiCo even bought uh, kombucha. Uh, a kombucha—that's right. Well, that's actually—I uh, mean, that, that's why I brought—that's why I brought Pepsi out. So it's not organic growth. I mean, they're doing it through acquisition, and and you know, so as a way to sort of—they've got revenue coming from here, while the people that are continuing to buy soda, they still can make money off of that, also. Yeah, yeah. So I think, in in a sense, they're seeing the. So in a sense, so I don't know if that, that maybe, maybe that's where they come together, right? So in the, in the sense, they're seeing sustainable consumption increase, so that they're, they're seeing the demand increase. Their response to that is through acquisition, buy out other businesses. Yeah,
0: which is you know an interesting model, but I think, I think again, the responsibility still lies in the business to make those kind of pivots. Mm-hmm. Because in no matter middle, what the consumer is demanding, I, I think say. no matter what the consumer is demanding, because individual mm-hmm. consumers don't have the kind of impact on the environment, on communities that whole businesses do. Maybe, what, when, you, maybe what, when, you, when you when you look at when you look at you know, I, I think if you look at like individual consumers i mean the, the the effects that like we have as a buying group primarily our effects on the environment come through the products that we buy absolutely and the ways that yeah. we consume so not just on the environment other people too right well, you think about the people, people. And, and so, people that, and the so that's chain. why and so yeah. that's why i say that people only have an impact on the environment through business yeah
1: if that if that right.
0: makes that that's kind of why i'm saying that like Individually, consumers don't have much of an impact on the environment because most of our impact comes through things that we buy or things that we consume to begin with. Yeah, very
1: interesting point.
0: So we have to go. So even if we, even if I want to have an impact on the environment, if I run out into nature and start whacking down trees. Yeah, which I've seen you do, by the way.
1: Which I, yeah, which I have
0: done. I've seen you. Yeah.
1: Now I've mentioned. taken
0: down a couple a couple dead ones in the backyard. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what, where there used to and be a maybe, tree in our backyard.
1: Yeah, maybe one or two live ones as well. Uh, but anyway, your point <laughs> is well taken. B- yeah. Businesses. This phrase comes to me: businesses' impact on the environment and on people is on our on, is on our behalf. That's true, right?
0: That's true. They are so our representatives in a way. They
1: are our representatives, and then their impact on the environment and on people is on our behalf. Yeah. Right. And uh, that is very interesting. Well, th- and think of it, and think of it this way. Yeah. Consumers, you can't
0: even ask the question of who is responsible, businesses or consumers, because consumers only exist in the business world. Like, like you and I, mm-hmm. we're only considered consumers by businesses. Re- outside of that, we're just people. Like, people are people, mm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. like, like, a consumer only exists to a business. Business looks at you as a consumer. It's do you buy something or do you not buy something? They only want to stand your. They only want to understand your consumption habits. Right. They don't care about my citizenship or me as a father. Exactly. Businesses don't care about. Like businesses don't really care about getting to know you. They just care about how you buy and where your money goes. Like that's Mm -hmm. what. Like that's what we're interested in as a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So essentially, businesses create consumers by nature of the business existing. So whether or not the consumer
1: consumes responsibly is the business's responsibility. Right, is, businesses create consumers. You know, the famous Peter Drucker said that's a, 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 the role of a business is to create a consumer. I believe that's almost a, a direct Peter Drucker quote. Somebody can look up, uh, look that up. That is very interesting. Yeah, that's But that's, the, but that's and that's yeah. and that's why that you know like, like
0: we said like almost like and what's funny is that businesses from an environmental impact perspective, I mean, you could really think about businesses as being just aggregate impact. Business business impact is just. The joint sort of impact of a bunch of, of, of millions of people buying their product, mm. so it's like you would. So it's like even even on the consumer side, a business wouldn't have the impact that it has mm-hmm. if it hadn't created the consumers to buy the product, yeah. to create the impact,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I think, but I think again, businesses are still at the core of of that crux, and and they're the only ones that 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 take care of a community of people and and exist within a community that that buy. Raw materials and mm-hmm. pull them from the earth and, and make products mm. and employ people, mm-hmm. like that's a whole system. Consumers
1: are just a player in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess in some ways, relatively a small player. Although let me let me. I know we're gonna go to our last topic in just a moment. But one of the things I'm reflecting on though is that I I I I, I, I guess from my perspective, I think it's mostly the business responsibility. But I also think it's a shared responsibility, in the sense that. For for a business to uh, let's think supply chain, right? So for for a business to switch suppliers is expense. Well, I shouldn't say it's expensive; it costs money, right? It it, it, it to switch suppliers, there is a switching cost associated with that. And if you are going to, and I'll give you a specific example from this book, Doctor Bronner's. So Doctor Bronner's, you know, soap company, uh, relatively small. Um, one of the things that they do, and and a lot of companies are doing this, is they want to switch to organic. Suppliers, right? Yeah. So there are four main products in Dr. Bronner's: olive oil, coconut oil, palm oil, and mint oil. Not an ad, by the way, but just admire the company. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just happen to be reading them right now. Um, so if we look at coconut oil, for example, and if you're going to switch from a conventional coconut oil producer right. to one that is organic and fair trade, yikes! Right? There is usually a three-year transition, right? Three years. Three years, right? Which is a long time for businesses. Three-year transition where that where that that producer is not collecting the premium for an organic and fair trade product. By premium, yeah. I mean you can charge more, right? Right. So during those three years, what Dr. Bronner's has committed is they actually, from their own uh, balance sheet, they are investing in the producer to essentially fund that transition, mm. recognizing that they're not going to make money for three years. There, Yikes! Right or more. Right. So the point is is that for Dr. Bronner's to do that there is a financial commitment that they are making mm-hmm. which is you know and where and where does the financial part of Dr. Bronner's come from it comes from consumers right All right yeah. so so it's a partnership in a sense between consumers saying yes I'm willing to pay a little bit more for this product because I recognize that, these, that this community, in this case for Dr. Bronner's in Sri Lanka, if we're going to provide truly sustainable, fair wage jobs to them that doesn't pollute their community, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. And so we sort of, as the consumers, we kind of say, okay, Dr. Bronner's, we're like, we're like little investors almost, right? Yeah. Saying, huh. here's a little bit of our, our money for you to go do the right thing to make the world a better place. So I guess in my in my sense, it's a recognition that I think it is the business's responsibility, but consumers can't act sort of like childish about the fact that, well, we just want our stuff cheap, right? Yeah. We've got to also understand that, well, there's only so much money in the world, and everything mm. sort of costs money. And so if we want them to act a certain way, we've got to understand that we might have a responsibility in that as well and need to, you know, behave differently because it's, as you said so well, we're all part of this sort of system. Yeah. So we have a responsibility in the system. I agree with you that it's a smaller responsibility than, than they have, but but one that we still have as part of the uh, the relationship with the business. Yeah, I think...
0: I think a good way to put that is that maybe there's responsibility on both sides, but the responsibility of consumers is more to understand the, the, the system that is sort of buying products and creating products and, and what that sort of means whenever you buy something. It's not just picking something up off of a shelf. If I pick up a bottle of cleaner, mm-hmm. there's products that went into that. There are machine processes that created the bottle, that put the packaging on. Yeah. There are raw materials that had to be harvested yeah. by, by I mean, most likely by people to getting down on their hands and knees and, and pulling stuff out of the earth or, or refining, uh, you know, materials down into these chemicals just to get, and and then shipping it miles and miles and across the globe, which is really hard just to get it onto the shelf. And all of that is very difficult,
1: very difficult.
0: So it's just my responsibility (laughs) to understand what the different, what, what different processes Hmm. go into putting these things on a shelf and being able to just be a little bit more, be a little bit more conscious I guess, mm-hmm. consuming a little more consciously mm. mm-hmm. than, than maybe the average buyer. And, yeah. just, and, and being able to look a little bit beyond just what's sitting on the shelf and sort of think about, okay, but who's putting on the shelf, is how and how is it getting there? Mm-hmm. The business takes everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. They have
0: to work on all of those processes mm-hmm. of where is it coming from, mm-hmm. and sort of checking off all those boxes, which again, is very hard. But like I've liked to say for a yeah. while now, Businesses have been doing hard things for years and for and, and innovating and, and doing all this stuff and mm-hmm. pursuing profit and, and making leaps and bounds in terms of yeah, changing technologies. Yeah, yeah. Sustainability, sure it's hard. But like whatever.
1: <laughs> we do hard things all the time. We do
0: hard things all the time. Yeah, yeah. Not we, we're not talking
1: time. about ourselves, but right, but but people, right? People and businesses have been doing hard things. Uh, all the time. Yeah. So maybe this last question uh, should we leave it for now, or so maybe, maybe we can use this as our kind of our closing question for today.
0: I think let, let's 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 or float it out there, but we'll leave it as a segue into the next into the next oh, episode okay. where we're going to talk okay. a little more okay. about our personal experience with conscious consumption and with green consumption. I think yeah. from, from a, from, you know, from a very Can you think of a time where you
1: bought something consciously? Yeah, absolutely. All right, can't wait to hear about it. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely think of times where I have. And I can think of times where I haven't. There's a lot of times where I. Uh, I can also think about times where I have not yeah. consciously
0: consumed and and maybe have bought products that are unsustainable. Yikes. Yeah. All right, well, we'll let you come back. That's all right. That's all right. Nightmare all right. So as a, as a final wrap up, so does the green consumer exist? What's your, what's your. One or two sentence answer.
1: Yes, but they can't be relied on to really shift economic systems. Mm. Does
0: the green consumer exist? I think I'll say no. The green consumer only exists in our minds, and (laughs) the the actual consumers are much more hard and realistic and, Mm. and only look at those core qualities most of the time Mm -hmm. so deliver those deliver those above all as a a business if you're going to do sustainability don't rely on somebody being a green consumer because they don't really exist do sustainability like well in your business but but deliver on those core qualities Mm -hmm. as your as your essential thing because yeah in, in that way i think in that way you'll just you'll be more successful because you won't you won't run into the risk
1: of somebody getting caught up on whether or not this product is great. Mm. But have that information available. Absolutely. Absolutely. The footnote has to be there and it has to be robust. The, the, the other thing I want to make sure I mention before we get off is that, I mean, this whole, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, this, this conversation about conscious consumerism is a somewhat, and I think we would both admit, a somewhat privileged conversation, right? Because mm. clearly to even have the choice between products is to assume that one has some discretion about how one spends one 's money, and we certainly recognize that there are a lot of people too many people in this country in our community and in the world who frankly um, are fortunate uh, to just have enough fun enough enough money to buy uh, you know whether it 's food you know clothing uh, electricity, and so forth so I think I saw maybe i've shared this before that forty four percent of Uh, workers in the United States, 44% of workers in the United States, their median income is $18,000 a year. So there's a lot of individuals who are um, minimalists or not buying things for a reason because they literally cannot afford it, right? They're having trouble just paying the bills. So this whole discussion of, uh, I think, conscious consumerism, I don't think it makes it less valuable. I think it makes it even, in fact, I think more valuable because the people that have the discretion I think it makes us even more responsible. I think it puts the onus on on those of on those of us who are fortunate enough and privileged enough to have some uh, discretion over how we spend our money to do it in a way that is, you know, as ethical and responsible as possible. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I mention that equity part. Well, and in a future episode, we might we might dig into the what what
0: enables conscious consumption and production. That'd be a yeah, good topic to cover at yeah, some point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Another so good one. Guy. Appreciate yeah. it.
0: Well, thank you guys for tuning in to the Father and Son On Purpose podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. Have a great week. Bye.